Welcome to the Irish Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the Irish American Baseball Society. If you love Ireland and baseball, you're one of us. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. Later in the show, our very own Jim Ward will be talking about an audio clip from Irish Ambassador to the United States, Dan Mulhall. The Ambassador will be discussing the time he threw out the first pitch at a Washington Nationals game. You are definitely not going to want to miss that. After that, MLB.com's beat reporter for the Houston Astros, Brian McTaggart, is going to tell us all about an Irish-American baseball legend. Right now, I'm talking with John McCormick, head baseball coach at Florida Atlantic. How are you doing today, coach? I'm doing well, doing well. How are you? Doing all right. So I'm going to start off with some of this stuff that I know you're probably getting asked all the time. The word unprecedented gets thrown around a lot. But you have been with Florida Atlantic for quite a number of years, so you've probably developed a really good routine and a schedule that you like to have in preparing for a season and recruiting and doing all of those things. This last year just put a huge wrench in that. So how have you adjusted? Is it feeling like you're almost like a first-year coach again, trying to figure out how to do this stuff? In some respects, yes. In other respects, no. Um, we've been, we were fortunate that I could come to the office every day during it. And I only live about a mile and a half from the university. So I was able to come in every day and still be able to do stuff. Um, fall practice went great. Um, the guys, besides you know, the, they can't hang out in the locker room. We had to take the ping pong table out. We had to take the couches out. They couldn't eat in there. So um, things were different, but when you're on the field and we practice, it was the same. They didn't have to wear a mask. We could practice as is. Um, but the recruiting, there was no recruiting other than you did Zoom calls or you watch stuff on video. That was really difficult because for me especially is the personal part of recruiting where you meet the young man, you meet his family, you watch him play, you get a sense of who he is as a person. That's really where for me was the most difficult part. And you were dealing with a lot of really good momentum last season before everything got shut down, including a big win over number six, Miami. How does that affect your players when you're riding high like this after a big victory a pretty successful start to the season, and then just you're not doing anything. Well, to be honest with you, I started preaching to our guys about COVID at the end of um, January. And we were the first collegiate game canceled on that Wednesday, March. uh, I'm going to look it up so I get it right. March 11th, we were supposed to play UPenn. And the Ivy League was the first league to cancel. So our guys knew because I was on them. We actually had taken a day after the University of Miami game the week before that following that Thursday after the UM game. We practiced for an hour. And then after that, we cleaned the whole locker room. I went and bought a whole bunch of wipes and we took everything out and cleaned it. And I preached. I was like, this is coming. There's something to this. But we we were supposed to play them at four o'clock at about three thirty. They were told that the the season was canceled and they can't play. And our guys across the field witnessed them crying, witnessed them, you know, like, I can't believe this is happening. Parents are coming out of the stands. Our guys were kind of like, wow, this is real now. Um, Then the next day we got on a plane, like next day we got on a plane to go play in uh, Virginia at Old Dominion. 
and about halfway through, everything started getting canceled. The NCAA, you know, conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament. We landed in Baltimore at like 1230, um, got off the plane. They said the series is canceled. Come home. We've got a flight at like six o'clock and returned home. And we had the guys around for about two weeks because uh, Conference USA did not cancel. What they did was suspend. We would practice and, and then about you know, after about two weeks, 10 days, they said it's canceled. And we just started having meetings and sent the guys home. So, but it was, it was, it was difficult because we did have a good group and um, I feel bad for them that they didn't get to be able to get into the meat of the season. How did you keep your players motivated to be focused on getting better as baseball players while the world was shut down? Like they had to work on their own pretty regularly i would imagine well no college baseball played a lot of summer ball um there were uh like the cape canceled uh, the leagues that reply that relied on families host housing had a hard time with it <clears throat> the the south florida collegiate league uh, the collegiate i think they call it the gulf coast collegiate league which is in tampa bradington Central Florida Collegiate League, they all were rocking and rolling and playing the whole time. So a majority of our guys were out playing. So they were home end of March, all of April, all of May, and then they went to summer ball in June. Um, and young people are way more resilient, we give them credit for. Um, they kind of just went about their business, you know, and, and probably to a detriment to – you know, we've seen a lot of stuff on TV and parties and concerts. Um, but a lot of our guys, they they went to summer ball. They played. They, you know, they had to wear masks. They did a good job. Um, but a lot of college baseball players, Texas had a big collegiate league. Um, South Carolina had a big collegiate league. And then pockets around the Midwest had collegiate leagues. So those guys were, you know, it wasn't much of a change for them. There was a lot for them to do where they could stay active and they yes. could keep doing this kind of stuff. But with the uncertainty of, are we even going to play? Was that something that was hanging over their heads? Yes. And I just kept telling them, we're going to prepare as if we're going to play. Um, we are preparing to play a season. And again, as a coach, you know, we always talk about control the things you can control, control it. And the only thing we can control is our effort, our work in the weight room, our work in the classroom, and our work on the field. If the powers that be say we can't play, then we won't play. You know, we can only do what we can do. There's no reason to worry about something we don't have control over. Now, that's an ideal world, but they are young. And they, you know, guys would come to me individually and say, you think we're going to play? And I was like, I do. I don't know what it's going to look like. It might look like 20 games. It might look like 25 games. So I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think they're going to let us play something because the NCAA does not want to give every baseball player another year of eligibility. We, we couldn't sustain that. We, could, we can't sustain it. Absolutely. So let's now move on away from all okay. of this and think about a world that is a little more normal. A lot of our listeners, they're into it, and, and they know a lot of the peripheral stuff, and they like to get into the weeds about just things like, in a normal year, how do you go about, as a college baseball coach, 
preparing for a weekend series? What is all the work that goes into making sure your team is ready for that series? Well, it, it all depends on if we play midweek. If we play a midweek game, then, you know, things are a little bit different. But um, come out of the weekend, you play Sunday. We always have Monday off. Uh, not always have Monday off, but majority of the time we have Monday off. Uh, then Tuesday, uh, again, if we are playing a midweek game, then of course we play. If we're not playing a midweek game, then we're going to do some sort of live pitching for the guys who didn't pitch in the weekend to be able to get an inning or two. Then Wednesday, we'll have a traditional practice, work on some stuff that maybe we didn't do a great job on in the previous weekend. And then Thursday, we have our traditional, we have the same practice every Thursday. We go over bunt defense, we go over first and third. Anything that we think the other team might do, we put that in. Uh, we take BP and then we lift and go home. It's a little bit of a shorter day. But, you know, in baseball, you don't, you don't game plan as much as you do in football or, or maybe even basketball for the other team. We kind of just concentrate on us. Um, so Thursday is about us making sure we're in our team defense stuff. We spend a lot of time on team defense on Thursday to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And then we take BP and then we go into the weekend. You're listening to the Irish Baseball Podcast. If you love baseball and if you love Ireland, join the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org. That was Florida Atlantic head baseball coach John McCormick. I'm Rick Becker and we will hear more from Coach McCormick in a future episode where he will talk about the mindset needed to upset a top 10 opponent and how analytics have changed not just the pro game, but have also changed things at the college level. Right now, I'll be tossing things over to my colleague, Jim Ward, who's going to be going a little bit deeper into a great audio clip. Take it away, Jim. Not that long ago, our founder, John Fitzgerald, and Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame founder, Sean Clancy, had a chance to speak with Irish Ambassador to the United States, Daniel Mulhall. In this clip, you'll hear Ambassador Mulhall talk about how he prepared for throwing out the first pitch at a Washington Nationals game, and just his overall impressions as an outsider to the first game of baseball, seeing it for the first time. Here's that clip with John Fitzgerald and Sean Clancy with Ambassador Daniel Mahal. I took the whole thing very seriously. I was determined that I wasn't going to let the side down. So I, I bought myself a uh, glove. Uh, I bought my son a glove. He was over the time. So I spent about a week, um, you know, practicing and asking for advice from, from American friends of mine as to how you made sure you uh, threw the ball, you know, properly. And so, and then I went down to National Stadium about a few days before uh, the game where I was throwing the first pitch and I, I went in and I, I uh, one of the sort of staff there, um, you know, caught the ball for me and, and we, we worked distances out and so on. So by the time I, I went out on the, on the field, I was quite confident that I would, uh, I would be able to equip myself pretty well. And I did. I mean, it was a strike, by the way, in case you're asking, it was a strike. Uh, I, 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 called, I, there's no umpire there, but I called it as a strike for myself. Having done that, do you have a different appreciation for just how skilled the game is? Like I do. 60, it doesn't seem that far on TV, but when you're standing out there, you might as well be a mile oh, It's a distance. I mean, you know, you really have to have to think about it. And, you know, what, what, what I'm amazed at is the, first of all, the speed and then the accuracy. I mean, speed is one thing, you know, you can probably develop that. But to be, to be, to be throwing the ball at 95 an hour uh, and to get over that, that relatively small area, it's no joke, you know? Uh, and I mean, 
it, it's, I, I think the skill of the of the um, bowlers is quite extraordinary. Uh, and indeed, the batsmen, uh, uh, you know, I mean, the hitters to be able to, to hit a ball flying at that speed and also maybe curving and spinning and so on, quite something. So I think the skill levels of baseball players are, are quite exceptional. I also love the way, you know, the way they feel. I mean, the, the, the exceptional feeling that goes on here. It's just, you know, I mean, any ball that's, that's hit, uh, you know, anywhere near um, one of the players in the outfield, you know, uh, you'll be run out for sure. I mean, the, you know, the accuracy with which they can, from a long way away, they can hit first base like, you know, like clockwork. I mean, no problem, you know. That was Waterford native and Irish ambassador Daniel Mulhall speaking with John Fitzgerald of the Irish American Baseball Society and Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame founder Sean Clancy about his first impressions of the game of baseball after throwing out the first pitch for the Washington Nationals. As we mentioned, Ambassador Mulhall was born in Waterford, and he studied at the University of Cork, where he earned three degrees in Irish history. Previous to being ambassador to the United States, being appointed by Michael Higgins in March of 2017, Ambassador Mulhall held the same position as ambassador to the United Kingdom, Germany, and Malaysia. And in his travels, he was awarded the Freedom of the City of London Award in July of 2017. In March of 2019, he was made Freeman of his own native Waterford. And just recently, in November of 2019, was unnamed Honorary President of the Yates Society. Three very prestigious awards. It was a lot of fun hearing Ambassador Mulhall's comments about how he prepared for throwing out that first pitch and, and the excitement. You could hear it in his voice about seeing that first game with the Nationals and be able to go out there and stand on that mound a few days before and throw a few balls in and, and get the practice. To, I mean, a lot of us take it for granted. We grow up with this game and we learn it as, as children. We get excited to go to the store to our mom or dad buy that first glove and bat. But uh, for a guy like this, uh, who is an ambassador, uh, who's well-traveled and well-versed uh, in education, it was really cool to hear that little inner child in his voice uh, as he talked about that experience. And I'm sure it'll be one of many experiences he'll have with the Nationals and around baseball as he travels this country as ambassador. That was Ambassador Daniel Mulhall. I'm Jim Ward. This is the Irish Baseball Podcast. Thank you, Jim, for that analysis into such a fun baseball story linking Ireland to the baseball team that plays in the capital city of the United States. That's exactly the type of content we try to bring you each and every episode on the Irish Baseball Podcast. Closing things out, let's take a look at some Irish-American baseball history. Hi, my name is Brian McTaggart. I'm the Houston Astros beat reporter for MLB.com. Today I would like to tell you about an Irish baseball legend named Big Ed Walsh. Edward Augustine Walsh was born on May 14, 1881. His dad, Michael Walsh, was an Irish immigrant. His mom, Jane, was Welsh. Growing up in Plains Township, Pennsylvania, Jane would sing Irish folk songs to Ed and his 12 brothers and sisters. Ed Walsh made his Major League debut in 1904 with the Chicago White Sox. After some moderate success, Ed began tinkering with a spitball, which at that time was a legal pitch. Soon, Big Ed had mastered the spitball and he was on his way to legendary status. In 1908, he won 40 games with a 1.42 ERA. He pitched more than 300 innings in a season five times, and he is the all-time leader with a lifetime ERA of 1.82. After retiring from the game, Big Ed started a group of former players who met annually to eat corned beef and cabbage and tell old baseball stories. 
The group was aptly named the Corn Beef and Cabbage Eater Society, and it included hundreds of baseball legends, Irish and non-Irish alike. Ed Walsh, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1946. For more information on Big Ed Walsh and other Irish baseball legends, visit irishbaseball.org. That was Brian McTaggart, MLB.com's beat reporter for the Houston Astros. For Jim Ward, who had a great clip from Irish ambassador to the United States, Dan Mulhall. And for our guest, Florida Atlantic head baseball coach, John McCormick. I'm Rick Becker, and this has been the Irish Baseball Podcast. You've been listening to the Irish Baseball Podcast. The Irish Baseball Podcast is a production of the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org. And remember, there's no place like home.